Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. I want to talk to you today about walking by faith and not by sight. Life would be good if there wasn't so many adverse circumstances. Does anyone else concur with that? Oh, for circumstances. You know, uh, it's pretty easy to worship God in this setting. The challenge is, is when we get home and stuff seems to go wrong. On the way here today, just to, for, a, I guess, a sermon illustration, I got off the East Link and got onto Maroondah Highway and the back tyre burst. <laughs> That's what I said. And, uh, and so here I am in my, just as well I brought a change of clothes, I'm under the car covered in grease, thinking, this is an adverse circumstance. Praise God. But you know what? We walk by faith and not by sight. And if we are to change our city, if we are to change our suburb, change our families, change our workplace, we must be men and women who know what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. So many Christians, so many people are moved by what they see and feel and not moved by what they believe. And if you are moved by what you feel and what you see, you are so easy for the devil to take out. All he needs to do is change the circumstance and he changes you. Do you hear that? So you go home and something goes wrong, something doesn't work out the way it should be, and you forget all that you've heard today, or else you can go home with an understanding that I walk by faith and not by sight. It is the faith-filled people that will change this city. You see, I have a conviction in my heart that God's getting ready to do something amazing. And for that to happen, He will need you to know how to operate in high-level faith. God believes in you. You know the story that in the last leg of the race of the marathon, of, sorry, of the relay, they save the best to last, and we're on that last leg. And so that means that God must have great faith in you. Yeah. You could have been born in the 1600s, the 1200s, any time but this. And we, you know, we, we are aware, and you don't have to be hypersensitive to know that this is the last days. Things are getting more and more dark, but also there's more and more light. There's been, never been more confusion in the world, but never more revelation in the church. I believe that I've seen more revelation of God and His Word in the last five years than in the rest of my life. It's an accelerated time. Do you feel that as well? And so God's doing that because... He's about to assemble a mighty army to do great exploits. And for that to happen, we're going to have to know how to walk by faith and not by sight. The New Testament church was not the high watermark. You are. You go, well, can you prove that? Easy. The kingdom is ever increasing. It's a mustard seed. God, Jesus said it's planted that begins small and becomes the biggest branch, the biggest tree in the garden. Yeah? Yeah. His kingdom is an ever-increasing kingdom. God never starts something great and ends up small, does he? In all of creation, everything around us, God begins with something small and it ends up big. A baby is a little embryo and then it turns out to someone big like John or me. So the Bible says we walk by faith, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, and not by sight. Did you hear that? You are called to walk 
by faith and not by sight. I want you to get that into your spirit today. And what I'm about to share, which is amazing, this needs to be applied to your personal life. I want you to think about what I say. How does this apply to my workplace, my school, my family, my marriage? Everybody. Your job is to apply it to your life. My job is to show you spiritual truths. And as I share this today, God's going to begin to speak to you about how to take this and cause it to become a reality in your life. The Holy Spirit is about to shine on you today. I know He is here. Did you know that? He's here. I can feel Him. I can feel Him deep inside. He's here to do something great. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Do you know, before the fall, we see that man was in direct communication with God. It was pretty easy. He didn't need a whole lot of faith in the garden because everything was done for him. He didn't need much because his spirit was in direct relationship with God's spirit. What a wonderful thing to have lived in the garden. Direct communication. He didn't need to exercise any faith for the needs because they were all met. But after the fall, something tragic happened that you know and I know that man's spirit died and he was cut off from the life of God. And because of that, because his spirit died, his soul then began to look for ways to define reality. So before you're born again, you will, your soul will look outside to picture your world. Are you getting this? So as you're born, as you grow, your soul, your mind, your will, emotions is picking up pictures, circumstances, filtering those to define who I am, to define a belief system. But it wasn't like that in the garden. In the garden, man, Adam and Eve, got their definition of the world spirit to spirit. They weren't driven by externals. They were driven by internals. We walk by faith and not by sight. So man used his senses, his five spirit, uh, physical senses, to define what the world was like. And that's a problem because he began to believe what his senses told him. And how many of us know what we see in the natural is not always what it appears to be? Are you hearing this? What you see and feel is not always truth. It's truth at a certain depth, but not truth as God sees it. Now, the devil is a master of manipulating circumstances, physical circumstances, and he knew that he could cause man to believe whatever he wanted by changing circumstances. Do you know he does that today? He can cause people to believe things about themselves by changing circumstances. So in other words, you wake up in the morning, maybe the devil manipulates circumstances so someone's mean to you. So then you have this belief for the rest of the day that I'm not worthy of love. Everyone rejects me. Is that true? No, it's not true. Not true what God, God doesn't see that. So maybe the devil comes and he manipulates uh, you, the bills and, 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 and he comes and he causes a shortfall in finances. So you believe that it's God's will that you have nothing, that you live as a pauper. See, the devil is a master of manipulating circumstances. And if we use those circumstances to define who we are, we will never be overcomers. Luke 8, 23 tells us, 
and it illustrates this story, this concept. You know, many of you have read this story where the disciples are in a boat and Jesus says, let us go over to the other side. And we know as they progress in that, in the very will of God, Jesus said, let's go over to the other side. He goes to sleep. And what happens? The devil comes and manipulates the circumstances via wind and a storm. And he uses circumstances to redefine the, de- the disciples' belief system. And their belief system comes not that we've been sent by God, but now we've been sent, but we've been abandoned. God doesn't care. Wake up. Don't you care? We're drowning. Do you see how the devil uses circumstances to change the way we believe? What does Jesus say to them? Gets up. Where is your faith? Why are you allowing circumstances to define what you believe? Can you not see that we've been manipulated by the devil so subtly that if he just changes, tweaks a circumstance, all of a sudden we adopt a new belief system? He's like a puppeteer and he's pulling the strings and he thinks if I just change that circumstance, move that there, because he still is the God of this world, he still operates in this world and he can manipulate circumstances and he thinks by changing some circumstance, he'll get you to change the way you believe. But we walk by faith and not by sight. So the longer man uh, spent out of the garden, the more he was driven by circumstances. And we see that he begins to create gods to control circumstances or in reaction to circumstances, like the rain god. So he thinks, well, when there's no rain, then the gods are angry. So we'll build a god, a, a god to keep the go- uh, sorry, an idol to keep the gods happy. And so Satan knows that if he changes circumstances, he can change the way we believe. If he can stop the rain, then we'll think the gods are angry. If the rain comes, then the gods are happy. Change the circumstance, change the way we believe. But we are ones who walk by faith and not by sight. The moment you operate in faith, the devil has no grounds to work in your life. The moment you operate driven by circumstances, he has total control over the direction of your life. Is this making sense? Hmm. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 5. Why don't you turn there with me? There is an evil I have seen under the sun, Solomon said, as an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in great dignity, while the rich sit in a lowly place. Now listen to this. I have seen servants upon horses, while princes walk on the ground like servants. Did you hear that? I have seen servants on horses, while princes walk on the ground like servants. Our spirit man, our inner man, is supposed to rule. We're supposed to live by faith. Divine communication between God and us via the Spirit and via this Word. These words are spirit words and life. This Bible is the entrance into the spirit realm. We're supposed to walk by this and not by circumstances. When circumstances and the Word of God are in opposition to each other, I stand on the Word. And here he's saying, I've seen this evil where there are servants sitting on horses. The servant is a picture of the soul. 
and it's picking up circumstances and it's on the horse with the reins in its hands setting the direction of our life. Are you hearing this? And Solomon says, I am seeing men and women where their souls who are directed and driven by circumstances, they are sitting on the horse while the spirit man who has the ability to connect with God and read the word and live by faith and hear what God says about the circumstance why Jesus slept in the boat because he was a, he was a prince. He was the man of the spirit. And Solomon says there are two types of people, those with the prince on the horse who are spirit-led, faith-filled people who say, I don't care what the circumstances say, this is what God says. Are you hearing me? And there are other people where their soul sits on the horse while their servant walks on the ground. Are you being driven by your circumstances or by faith in the word? Are you driven by your spirit man that is picking up what God says? Or are you driven by soulish, small thinking? The devil comes to you and says, you'll never amount to anything. Who do you think you are? You're inferior. You'll never make it. And so all of a sudden, the servant gets on the horse and begins to ride. And you wonder why the direction of your life is taking really bad direction. It's because you're walking by sight and not by faith. Because the prince is not on the horse, but the servant. Are you hearing this? Romans 8.12, in context to what we've just read, says, Therefore, brethren, we, don't, we have no obligation to the flesh. Are you hearing me today? Don't tell me, well, I just can't help it. I don't feel like it today. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know all the circumstances I've been through. Paul says, we are, have no obligation to fulfill what our circumstances are screaming at us. You have a choice. And the devil says, oh, you've just got to bow. It's just too hard. No, my friend, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. This is a victory that overcomes the world, circumstances, even our faith. He says, you don't have any obligation to fulfill the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. In other words, God's plan won't be fulfilled in your life. But if by the Spirit... You put to death the deeds of the body. How do we do that? By the Spirit. We pray in the Spirit. We get a hold of this word when circumstances defy us. And I say, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. This is what we do. We don't have to fulfill the lusts of the flesh that scream at us and say, you'll never amount to anything. For as many who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. What will the Spirit of God do when you face a circumstance? He will whisper in your ear, use your sword. Come on, church. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. What does that mean? When circumstances arise, we feel like we have to be in bondage to the fear of that circumstance that says you'll never amount to anything. You'll never have enough. It says this and that. And we aren't in bondage to that fear. So when the circumstances arise, you say, you have no authority over me. I am not in bondage to you because I operate out of the spirit realm at a higher realm to what you operate out of. Are you hearing? Yeah. For we have received the spirit of adoption. We're not orphans. 
We're not on our own. This is, this is the result of the garden. Man felt like he was cut off from the life of God. Paul says, no longer you have the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Father, I, it looks bad. Father, you can see what's going on. Give me your highest perspective. Lift me up where you are today. The Spirit bears witness then with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, we are heirs of God. He whispers back, you can overcome this. I believe in you. I think you can do this. In fact, I know you can. He whispers in our heart. If we would just stop in the midst of the circumstance and begin to cry out to God. He's got a solution, my friend. We're heirs with Christ. And it goes on to say, if we suffer with him, we'll be glorified. There will be suffering as we face circumstances. There will be challenges. I felt like I was suffering under that car today, covered in grease. But you know what? If we will stay true to him, we will be glorified with him. He will make a way through that. For we walk by and not by. Isn't that amazing, hey? Thank you, Jesus. All right, so a couple of points about this whole thing. And I want you to take down notes today. In the whole walking by faith and not by sight. And number one is this. God is fixed and my circumstances are not. Did you hear that? God is fixed, but my circumstances are not. God remains the same. My circumstances are subject to change. Numbers 23, 19 says... God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said it? Will he not do it? Has he spoken? And will he not make it good and fulfill it? You know, no matter how you feel about circumstances, you can bow to them. But I want you to know this. God will never change his mind about your circumstance. Should I say that again? God will never change his mind about your circumstance. You can go to the grave believing that you are defeated and poor and powerless, but God will never change his mind about you. And there will be a day that you'll stand before God and you will see what he believed about you. And this is the truth, that it doesn't matter what God provides, it's faith, our very faith that accesses what God believes about us. God will never, ever change. He never looked at a circumstance that you face and think, oh boy, you've got a point there. That is rather big. And I am rather intimidated. No, it says, let God be true and every man a liar. Romans 3.3 3 says, what if some don't believe? <gasps> what if some don't believe? What if the church don't believe God's saying? No. Will their unbelief make God's faith without effect? You may not believe, but God's saying, it will not change my faith. My faith in you is still able to get you over. If the person next to you, oh, I heard about Aunt Sally. She prayed all her life. She had a wooden leg and a club foot. And you know what? She prayed and believed and look what it did her. You know what? I don't care what Aunt Sally believed. It says here, will their unbelief make the faith of God without any effect? My faith is not in her faith. My faith is in God's faith. In God's faith. Certainly not. Let God be true, but every man a liar. 
God will not change his mind, so you must change yours about your circumstance. God's not intimidated. As it is written, may you be justified in your words and may you overcome when you are judged. In other words, if you put God here and your circumstances here, it says God will repeatedly overcome every case when he is tried by a circumstance. So bring in poverty. Poverty versus God. Room one, session one, court of appeals. Right, God versus poverty. Who will win? All in favour of God, say aye. aye. Right, bring in, in um, sickness. And it says, no matter who tries God, what circumstance tries God, it says here in Romans 3 verse 4, as it is written, that you will be justified in your words, God. What's his word? He says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And may you overcome when you are judged. Circumstances come to judge the faithfulness of God. And Paul says in Romans, every case that comes against God shall be overcome. Did you hear me? Every single case. Hold your nerve. The judgment is coming. Luke 5 verse 1. Turn with me to that now. Listen to this. God is fixed. Our circumstances are not. So it was a multitude pressed around Jesus to hear the word. And he stood by the lake. And it says he saw two boats standing by the shore. The fishermen had gone and they were washing their nets. And he got in one of the boats who was Simon's. And he said to Simon, push out your boat a little from the land. And so Jesus began to teach from the boat. And when he finished teaching, he said to Simon Peter, Simon Peter, launch out the boat into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. I want you to think about that. Peter said, Master, we've been out to that very location. We fished all night and toiled and sweat and we've caught nothing. So here's the question, which one is true? Peter or Jesus? I say both. Did Peter fish all night and catch nothing? Absolutely. Yes? It's not a trick question. Did Jesus say there were fish out in dem water? Exactly. There's fish out there. There's fish. I see fish. Is Jesus true what he says? So there's no fish and there's fish. I've been there and I've fished, but there's no fish. Jesus said, yeah, there is fish. I can see them. And Peter said these words, nevertheless. I want you to underline that in your Bible. It's an amazing word. I want you to notice that uh, Peter chooses the greater truth, not the less truth. Never choose the less truth. Choose the greater truth. The less truth is these are certain. There's no point denying them. When my car tire is flat, it's flat. I can't live in denial. When there are lack of, um, lack of finances, it's true. You can't say, well, you know, no, 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 I'm not listening. It's true. It, there are no finances. But Peter says, nevertheless, nevertheless circumstance. I choose the greater reality. There is my reality and God's reality, and the two can coexist. And you get to choose which reality you live in. I walk by faith and not by sight. 
So that's how you can find fish where there is no fish, because you live in a greater reality. Because it's two people can go to the same place and get two different results, because one lives in a higher reality than the other. God is fixed. His reality, but our circumstances are not. We can lift into a new reality, because we walk by faith and not by sight. Number two, it's only three points. But I didn't say how long they were. God doesn't need our help. He just needs us to believe. We walk by faith and not by sight. So when I look at a circumstance, God is fixed. My circumstances are not. Because he is fixed, I can choose a greater reality. What do you see? See, it's something about getting that revelation fixed in our heart that makes all the difference. Whoever blinks first loses. That's the rule of, that's the, rule of the kingdom. If you blink before Satan, you lose. If he can outlast you by manipulating circumstances, you lose every time. Oh, you're loved by God. But that's not about success. Success is about operating in faith. Being loved is a gift of grace. But we're talking about now coming into the kingdom where we're successful and we operate as sons and we bring the kingdom advance. So we're going to walk by faith for that. So point two, God doesn't need our help. He just needs me to believe. How many can believe? How many people have tried to help God before? I've tried that more than once. Uh, maybe because I'm hard-headed or have been in the past. Let's not confess that. I'm very soft now, but that's what happens when you get kicked a few times. By circumstances, eventually you realize that God doesn't need your help. He just needs you to believe. God doesn't need your help. He needs you to believe. How long did it take Abraham to get that through his scone? You know, we read Romans 4. It says, it says who, in, who against all hope and hope believed. So he became the father of many nations. He waxed strong, giving glory to God. He did not look at the things that were unseen, but the things... Sorry, seen, but the things were unseen. Oh, it's an amazing chapter, Romans chapter 4. But you know, that's the story of the last year before he gives birth to the baby. It says when he was almost 100 years old, he got this revelation. That God doesn't need my help, he just needs me to believe. And I've read that, oh, he worked strong. Yeah, yeah, he did. After he stopped with Ishmael, and after he went through 13 years, now we don't know that God didn't ever speak to him, but the Bible indicates that he went 13 years without God in the scripture ever communicating to him. Why? Because he was trying to do what only God could do. God said, you believe and I'll do the work. So he comes in Genesis 17 and says, Abraham, I am almighty God. You're not. What before me be blameless? And then it goes on to say, I will. I will establish you. I will increase you. I will bless you. Look at all the things that I will do. I am almighty God. You believe I'll do the work. And in circumstances, we've got to get to that place where we understand all God is requiring in the circumstance is for us to believe, to take our stand. And he'll do the work. 
Believe. 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 I am El Shaddai. That word is a beautiful word because this is the word that transformed Abraham to a, a man where he didn't get any breakthrough to a man that was prosperous and successful. He said, I am El Shaddai, the God who sustained you. That word is a word used where he's talking about the word where he comes and he nourishes a nation that's a baby nation. And it's so vulnerable and he nourishes it until it becomes fruitful and strong. It's used in Genesis all the time when God's coming to a people that feel like they're pushed up against the wall and there's no way out. And God comes and he saves them and delivers them. This protective mother that comes alongside. Do you know this El Shaddai? And it sounds funny to people, but it also means the many-breasted one. Wow. I think of... A tiger, have you seen those pictures where the, the, the tigress is, or, or the lioness is on its side and it, I don't know how many teats it's got, but it's got more than you can count. And there's all these little cubs fighting over a spot. And maybe it's got eight or ten, I don't know, but they're all getting their share. He says, I am El Shaddai, the many-breasted one. You believe and I'll act. And that tells me that God has the ability to feed us in multiple dimensions, in many different ways. We're saying, well, God... You know, I've got all these circumstances. Would you just break through in my finances? And God says, you know what? I can break through there. I can break through in your health. I can break through in your relationships. We think that we can only send up one prayer request and overwhelm God. He's saying, you know what? If you're flooded with circumstances, I can feed you in every dimension that you need. You believe, I will act. I am El Shaddai. Abraham needed a breakthrough in so many areas of his life. And God says, you walk before me and be blameless. You keep, see, here's the deal. If we would just give God our heart, you'll be surprised how quick the breakthrough comes. Think about it. 25 years. Boom, boom, boom. And then one year of unconditional surrender. One year of saying, and, 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 you know, you would think, and I'm speaking to myself, you would think we would get the picture. Joshua 1.8, Psalms 1. If you would just pick up the Bible and meditate on it day and night, I don't mean just a casual glance. I mean this becomes every thought of yours. You wake up and you're thinking Scripture. I mean you put yourself in a place where you are desperate for Him. You, can, you say, Lord, you said if you abide in me, your words abide in me and I abide in you, I can ask what I will and it shall be done. It means I will be consumed with you. I'll get a few verses and I'll begin to meditate on them, pray them over and over and over and over. He did that for one year and he, he found that God did in one year what God couldn't do in 25 but why do we not do that? You believe, I'll act. We say, I'll act, you believe. He says, no, I'm God. God doesn't need our help. See, he came to Job as El Shaddai 31 times. Do you think you've had challenges? Do you know the book of Job, theologians tell us, covers one year of his life? What a year. Right, 2017 is going to be the best year of my life. But God is El Shaddai. And we know the story that he comes out more blessed, more prosperous, 
more increased than ever before. You believe, and I'll give you the help. I talked to you the other day about Jehovah Jireh. He, he sees ahead and provides. You believe, and I'll do it. And we must believe that as I walk into my destiny, God's already seen ahead and provided. He's El Shaddai, and he's Jehovah Jireh, the one that sees ahead and provides. You know what? If you're armed with this revelation, what circumstance can take you? Because you know he's the one that's gone before you. You know beyond the circumstance. See, Jesus slept because he saw a picture of him on the other side. He saw provision. You can sleep in the circumstance when you know God has been to your tomorrow. Jesus said, just, just focus on today. Don't worry about tomorrow because I've been there. You need to worry about that. I've got it covered. I've got your back covered. You're okay. We're going to get through. You will make it. But the devil says, I don't know. Looking bad. Things are tough. Read the financial review lately. Ooh, Donald Trump's in power now. Things are pretty bad. Someone says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of ungodly or the wicked. And see, all these thoughts begin to come. And we're, we're walking along and they're flying around us. Satan comes. All about circumstances and all these lies are, you know what it's like. It's in our head constantly buzzing, buzzing, buzzing. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly or the wicked. That's about, that's about as you walk through life, there are all these thoughts and problems. And he says, blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, does not listen, does not listen, nor does he stand in the path of the sinner. So if you keep listening to the fear of the enemy, you'll take a stand against faith in God. Have you met people like that? Because they constantly listen and entertain lies and unbelief and all the negativity of the enemy. They've taken a stand now, a stand against prosperity, a stand against healing, a stand against unity, a stand against the church. They take a stand, nor sit in the seat of scornful. Not only do they take a stand, but if they keep doing that, they begin to actively resist the work of God. We walk by faith and not by sight. But the one who walks by faith, his tree is planted by the rivers of water. That's the word. He's full of faith. He's, he bears fruit in season and his leaf doesn't wither. Do you remember what I said about the leaf? This is what it means. While you're waiting for your breakthrough, your leaf doesn't wither. It means you look good in the midst of a trial. Many of us can be happy when the fruit's there, but what about in between the trial and the fruit, God's saying, I want you to look good. I want your leaves to be so attractive. I want you to walk by faith even when it looks like there's no way out. So whatever he does shall prosper, but the wicked are not so. You believe and I'll do the work, God says. Thirdly, see that was a quick point. Thirdly, Faith is never in the head. It's always of the spirit and the mouth. Faith is not of the head. It's always from the spirit and the mouth. You can't figure out your circumstance. You can't figure it out in your head. You're not supposed to figure it out. How do you figure 
that you can give 10% plus your giving and as the Lord leads to bless people, how can you figure that you can give out of your, 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 your finances and be better off? You can't figure that out. 10 minus 1 is 9. But in the kingdom, 10 minus 1 is 100. Because it says it's more blessed to give than he is to receive. And if you give, he'll give back, pressed down, shaking together, running out all over. And that's why people have such a, a problem with giving or whatever area it might be. Because faith is not of the head, it's of the spirit and the mouth. You're operating in a wrong dimension. So when you come up against circumstances, you will fail if you operate from the head. I can see no way forward. That's okay. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I'm not choosing that way. I'm choosing his way. So, 2 Corinthians 4.13 says we have the same spirit of faith. What's, what sort of faith? A spirit of faith. Say it again with meaning. A spirit of faith. Faith is of the spirit. We have the same spirit of faith. As the psalmist, they believed and they spoke. So we, see, see we, we aren't different today. We too have to believe in our spirit and speak. Faith operates that way. Faith operates that way. You cannot operate with faith unless you operate out of the spirit and out of the mouth. Out of the inner man and the mouth. It's not the head. You can't figure God out with your head. I see some people leave church and think, what was all that about? You were trying to process the things of the Spirit with your head. They are foolishness, 1 Corinthians 2 says, to the natural man. He has no idea. You talk about the cross. You talk about the resurrection. They're foolishness to the head. You didn't get born again because you figured God out in your head. 2,000 years ago, some Jewish man died on the cross. And somehow he was the son of God. He came somehow magically, got inside Mary's womb, and out he popped. And he was the one who would undo everything that Adam, you know, the first man born from, from God's words that came out of his mouth, and Adam was born, the whole creation was made. And then Jesus dies on the cross 2,000 years ago. And because of that, you stand and say, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and he transforms your life. <laughs> right. I've witnessed on the streets and told people the plan of salvation and got that same blank stare. All right. Because it's not of the head, it's of the spirit. You can't figure God out here. It's a walk of faith. Faith is never in my head, it's in my spirit and my mouth. You've got to operate if you're going to overcome circumstances. If you're going to be one who walks by faith and not by sight, you've, I'm not saying you don't use your head. But you're not led by your head. You're led by your spirit man and by your mouth. So when I'm facing adverse circumstances, I know I've got to get myself in a place where I can function in the spirit realm. And the practical things we do, we pray in the spirit. And it, you know, the Bible says in Jude 20, we pray in the spirit and it builds our faith. It keeps us in the love of God. It, get, it brings the perspective of God into our circumstance. You can't overcome circumstances with grit and determination and willpower. It's a work of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. So we operate 
in a spirit realm. And I said to you the other day that the unseen realm is my home. I want you to say that with me. The unseen realm is my home. Well, that means makes you a very strange person, very peculiar. Because everyone else in the world is operating by circumstances, by what they can see. And you'll say, I'm not moved by what I see. And they say, lock him up. <laughs> the unseen realm is our home. Higher perspective, nevertheless. Fishing all night, catches nothing, goes back out, catches a boat full. Are you getting this? The unseen realm is our home. And so we sow a seed. We speak words of faith. Remember, the mind functions above the soil. The spirit sees beneath the soil. And this is where many Christians stop because they don't realize that as you get the word, listen to me, think, work, family, whatever it is, as you get the word and you get a scripture which is a seed and you begin to speak, what happens the moment you speak the word? John 6, 63 says, my words are spirit words and they are life. The moment I speak this word, this word is full of life. It's supernatural life. The moment I speak this, it says the words of spirit. So they go under the ground like a seed. You plant the seed and you know the moment it's planted, it begins to We don't know how Mark 4 says, but we know it grows. This is where the enemy says, Ah, oh, it's not working. Look at the circumstances. They're getting worse. Where's the evidence of what you're doing? I can't see it. Well, there you go. It's not happening. It's a fight between the soul and the spirit. We have to say, you know what? I know when I speak this word, the Bible says God is not a man that he should lie. He, Isaiah says it's like rain that comes from heaven. It will not go until it bears uh, its fruit. It will bring seed to the sower. When the rain comes, it will do a work in your heart. As you sow the seed, something is beginning to happen inside. I'm beginning to nurture the faith of God for whatever it is that I need. It is growing. And the word of God that came to Abraham that says, I will bless you and make you a blessing. Deuteronomy 8.18 says that same covenant that was sworn to the fathers, our forefathers, is the same covenant that is ours today. In other words, every part of the Bible, all the promises are yes and amen. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today and forever. So when, see, these, these words are physical, they're written words of everything that's swirling in the realm of the Spirit. Are you getting this? That's what it is. It is a collection. It's like... He's taken all his words which are eternal, which are full of life, and he pushes it in here so we can get an, an opening into the spirit realm. Oh, that's what's there. Are you getting that? Yeah. And we speak that, and all of a sudden it goes from there. See, when you speak it, it goes from there, and it goes in here, and the kingdom begins to grow, and you become what it says you can become. The Word of God is, it carries the power within it to do whatever it says it will do. So when I read, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, you know what happens? A seed of strength that God spoke throughout all creation goes straight in here and it begins to grow and I become strong. Faith is never in our head, it's in the inner man and the mouth. Romans 10.6 says, The righteousness of faith speaks in a certain way. If you're going to overcome circumstance, you're going to have to learn how to speak in a certain way. 
it would pay you to take a record of all the words that come out of your mouth for a week. You're powerful. You're powerful. And see, often even... But Paul says, don't let any coarse jesting come out of your mouth. You know, what, what's he saying? Because what comes out of our mouth, our spirit takes as fact. Oh, I didn't mean that. Well, say what you mean. Think what you mean. Communicate what you mean. Because you're a king. And every word is a decree. It's like a king sitting on the throne. Right today, I think there'll be no food for everybody. Oh, I didn't mean that. But all of a sudden, the, the servants have gone out and they're cutting off all the food supply and the, no, and the message gets back. All the people are in uproar. There's no food. Well, why? Because you said it. Oh, did I? But is it any different to us? James says that our tongue is like a rudder that steers the course of the ship. We go, How did I end up here after 20 years? Because your tongue has... Caused the direction. And you are where you spoke. You are where you believed. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And so Romans 6, uh, 10, 6 says, The righteousness of faith speaks in a certain way. And it says, Do not say in your heart, What does it say? Who will ascend into heaven as to pull Jesus down from heaven? Oh, Jesus, if only you were here. You'd speak to my mountain. I know you would. I'm feeling very powerless today. It says, don't speak like that. The righteousness of faith says, do not say in your heart, who will bring Jesus down from heaven? Or who will dig Jesus up from the grave? Bring him up from the grave. One's talking about victory in life, externals. One's talking about victory in self. The grave's talking about victory over sin and the problems within. Doesn't Peter tell us that he's given us all things that pertain for life external and godliness within? And we're trying to say, Jesus, if only you could do something, some magical cure inside me to get me to think different and overcome all these things inside and you would change my world, I'd be happy. And righteousness of faith says, do not say that. For the word is near you, in your heart and in your mouth. This is the word of faith that we speak. He's saying, I've given you everything you need. I left you with the living word. You are calling me to do what you should be doing. Do not say that in your heart. You are more powerful than you think. Faith is not in our head. It's in our mouth and it's in our spirit. And the more, see, it's like a, it's like a circle. The more you speak the more it changes you on the inside. The more you change on the inside, the more powerful your words are on the outside. And it flows over and over and over. And all of a sudden, Hebrews says, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. The moment you speak, substance begins to occur inside you. Have you done that? If you, if you quote a scripture over and over again, something begins to grow inside. It's the evidence of things not seen. And all of a sudden, see, I've been... I've been on this journey, and there are many areas that we need to build into, but one particular is in breaking through in finances for the body of Christ. And I have prayed and declared Scripture over and over. I've got 46 Scriptures on my phone that I proclaim and declare over and over and over again, and substance begins to grow, and now I'm beginning to see evidence. It's the evidence of things yeah, or not seen. 
So I'm beginning to see evidence, even before it's in the natural, I'm seeing in the spirit. I'm actually seeing pictures of myself in my future as I look out the window and pray, I see myself. You know what that is? That's called a belief system has grown up. God has changed the way I see myself. And then the kingdom comes. We walk by faith and not by sight. The greatest journey is the journey of faith. We cannot please God without faith. You cannot please God. You cannot please God. You cannot please God without faith. Did I say that? You cannot please God without faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. And you've been invited by God to come into a journey of faith where you learn how to be the Lord and master over circumstances that seek to define you and minimize you. You get the word of the Lord like a sharp two-edged sword and you learn how to overcome. God is fixed. He's not going to change his mind. God is fixed. He will not change his mind. Did you hear that? He's fixed. And he doesn't need our help. He just wants us to believe. Can you do that today? Can you believe? Can you let God work while you believe? Having done all to stand, we take a stand. I will believe. Well, how long do I need to believe for? I just know this. If you believe like Abraham believed in his last year, not long. That's not the issue. The issue is how long will it take me to believe like I need to believe? That's the issue, isn't it? For me, a long time. Abraham, 25 years. But once he got into that place that I will stand on the word. And I know when I speak it, something is happening. I know it. Not long. How will God do it? I don't know. For the widow, he sent the prophet. For the prophet, he sent a raven. But God will do it. He will make a way where there seems no way. Some of you are facing insurmountable problems. God is able. And he wants to walk the walk of faith with you today. Amen? Amen. Believe. I want to leave you with this thought today. That God has amazing, great things for your life. I believe in you. I pray that God will increase you and increase you and increase you and increase you beyond your wildest dreams, that you will feel an expansion every time you come to the house of the Lord, every time you're in connection with God's people, you will be bigger and bigger and bigger, that you'll learn to walk by faith and not by sight. So you can leave today and say, oh, that was, that was all right. Yeah. yeah, I guess it was eight out of 10. Maybe generously give me 9.2. That's not the issue. The issue is what are you going to do today? When you get home, are you going to get out your Bible and you're going to say, okay, God, you're El Shaddai, the, the many-breasted one. You're going to come and nurture me in every area where I've got a breakthrough that needs to happen, circumstances that are defying me. Okay, let's go to work together. I'll believe in you work. Show me what to believe in. Show me what to confess. Show me how to exercise my faith. I am committed to this journey and I will not stop until I get my breakthrough. Circumstances will not define my life. You'll define my life. 
And if you will make that commitment today, I'm telling you, you will never be the same again. Because we are those that walk by faith and not by Amen. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, today for your word. The entrance of your word brings light and understanding. And I thank you for these people that you love so much. You love them with an everlasting love. And you are for these people and not against them. You are committed to their success and their growth and their increase. You love them. And I pray that as your word has gone forth, it would find a place, a yes and amen. Those that say, yes, Lord, I believe. Father, I thank you for faith. We have the very faith of God. We don't have to conjure it up. You've given to everyone the measure of faith. It's your faith. And when we begin to get into your word, that faith grows and is activated and begins to shift things. So I'm praying today, Lord, for every man, every woman, every child. Lord, let there be a release in their hearts today of faith. Lord, great faith. Let there be a yes and an amen. I thank you, Lord, that you are the God that is high above every circumstance. And today, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, whether you're listening on podcast or video or you're here today in the flesh, if you've never said yes to Jesus, Romans 10 says that all we need to do is to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and we will be saved. We say, yes, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you have a great plan for my life. I believe that I am a sinner in need of salvation and you provided salvation, so I receive that gift. You said all those that call upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. And so if you've never accepted Jesus into your life, you can do that simply by saying, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. And the moment you do that and you reach out to him in faith, the Bible says he will make you a new creation. You'll be part of God's family. His spirit will come and dwell in your spirit. He'll make you alive inside. So if you've never done that and you're listening to the sound of my voice, why don't you do that today? And once you've done it, why don't you tell somebody that, that's a believer that you've done that. You need to be nurtured and discipled. But if you've made that commitment, if you've reached out to Jesus, you are today a child of God. Thank you, Lord. And for everyone else, Lord, today, I bless them with great increase, with great faith. I see that God is equipping his body with tools that will enable him to climb the highest mountains and to do great exploits because now you cannot be intimidated by the enemy. And we thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Why don't you lift up your hands as we close. Receive his strength. Receive his faith. Receive his wisdom. It's really good at the end of every service just to settle everything that's been said inside. Think about what's been said, the things that God has highlighted. And just give a big yes and an amen to that. Yes, Lord, I receive that. I'm going to act on that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the ministry of your spirit today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are changing on the inside, my friend. Don't listen to the lie of the devil that says nothing is shifting and changing. 
The Bible says that you are growing from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from grace to grace. Faithful is he who has called you who also will complete it. You are on the rise. And the enemy can do nothing to stop you because God is for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you.